You know, so you see as it actually is, much more so. You know, maybe that's just one little example of just starting to pay attention to what we add in. And of course, what we add in beyond that is even more interesting and more important to notice. And I'll get to more examples of that in a minute. So when what is seen is only what is seen, and what is heard, only what is heard, and then what is sensed, which covers the other senses, is only what is sensed, and what is known is only what is known, so we're not adding something to the wisdom that comes, just what it is, then you'll not be in that. There's no becoming, there's no becoming of a self in that. It's just what it is. And when you are not by that, in other words, you don't become something, you don't identify with it, you're not therein. You're not identified with that object that's being seen, heard, sensed, known. You're not here. There's, there's, you're not here in this body. You're not embodied here. You're not there. And you're not in between. Which can be interpreted as the consciousness that links those two things, the subject and object. So in other words, we're not making a self out of it. No me or mine. And so, you know, we are, our tendency, because this is what causes survival of living beings, is to always be asking, how does this relate to me? Remember Ajahn Amaro giving a talk, is it going to eat me? Am I, can I eat it? Can I mate with it? It's like there's always this, what does this mean to me? Right? So doing what we can to notice that and set it aside. So that we're really present with what it is. It's not that perceptions are bad, we just want to know what they are and to recognize when they come in, because there are the ones that are unhealthy, that lead us into distortions. And this is where we get to the, you know, how does it work when the defilements come in? So the defilements, as you probably know well enough, are greed, hatred, and delusion. Greed being any kind of wanting. Any kind of, I want, to, I want to pull that closer to me. I want that. I have desire for something. It doesn't even have to be a that. It can be a general craving, a general want. Or there can be, the, then there's the aversion or hatred, disgust, irritation, the whole range of wanting to get rid of something the stuff we don't want. And delusion is seeing basically wrongly, seeing things not as they actually are, 
is also confusion. So how does that come in? Last night while I was sitting, there was some pain coming up in one hip. There was some pain coming up in one knee. And it's like, can I be with that just as the feeling it is? Not, okay, now I'm going to have to move, or I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to, or what is it going to, is it going to keep going? Is it going to stop? Is it going to get worse? Is it going to be damaged? You know, instead of the mind doing all that, can I just be present with that feeling at that moment and not make anything more out of it? Of course, there are times when we have to make the assessment, okay, I feel like this pain is not something I should continue to hold this position because it, I need to move in order to take care of the body. So there, you know, there are times when perception, mental formations, evaluation is all needed. But when I'm practicing, looking at what am I adding to things, can I look at this just as a sensation right now? And this is very, very helpful. And I don't know if any of you have gone through like mindfulness-based stress reduction training or know much about it, but I think this is really key to what helps people with chronic pain. Because when we bring mindfulness to it and we really experience it just as the sensation in this moment, then the mind doesn't string those moments together in a way that makes everything pain. Instead, it starts to perceive the spaces between the pain, the moments of pain. And when we put our focus on the spaces between the moments of pain, those increase. Our awareness of that increases, and actually people report that their pain decreases. Or the level of discomfort in the pain decreases. So this is where we could say the defilement of worry, of fear, of the pain actually increases the experience of pain. And, and if we step back, pull back from that, and we really experience to the best of our ability just what we sense in the moment, we, can, we have a chance at reducing that perception of continuous pain and it actually has a positive outcome. I used to suffer from migraine headaches when I was young. And the way a migraine headache would start for me would be that my vision would get very funny. I guess they call it seeing auras or something. I don't know, anyhow. It's like a staticky TV screen. It's just all, you know. As soon as that would happen, there would be no pain. But as soon as that vision thing would happen, I would panic. The pain won't come for another 20 minutes, but I would just, you know, because maybe that's three days of headache and nausea, and, you know. So you get conditioned, right? But that fear, that fear makes it worse clearly makes it worse. I mean, the mechanism of what's happening with a migraine headache, you know, more um, tightness around the blood vessels, and, you know, it's, it's definitely makes it worse. 
And then I started doing a bunch of stuff with natural healing, and I and I started using fasting and prolonged fasting as a, a way to better health. And after a couple of really long fasts, like two weeks, three weeks. I stopped having those migraine headaches, but I'd still get that beginning part where the, where the vision would go funny. But I, let's see, I guess the way I would say it is I gained a certain kind of confidence in being able to work with my own body in a way that I didn't panic. And then the the vision would go funny and 20 minutes later, instead of a headache, the vision problem would go away and nothing would happen. And what I, what I take from that is, it's like the confidence helped. Maybe the fasting also changed my system in a way that the, something was different. But the, the point was that it was kind of a good illustration for me of how much the things I added to it mentally affected the condition. And that I could actually back away from that. That doesn't mean that every physical thing can be altered by what we do with our mind. And it also doesn't mean that when we're ill, it's some failing of ours to not have thought in the right way or done the right things. Because illness is normal when you have a body. It's natural. And the body will deteriorate. That's natural. And if I start getting migraine headaches again, it's not like I've somehow lost a plot, it's just the way it is. But this, just to try, to try to look for examples in your experience where you see the nature of perception and what that perception does to your, the way your body operates, the way your mind operates, and the way you interact. So we all have perceptions around, say, people and groups. Like I lived in an international monastery, and it's really interesting dealing with people from all different kinds of cultures. And in some ways you think, well, these stereotypes arise for a reason. (laughs) There was an American woman who showed up, and I just felt like like burying my head in the sand (laughs) because... Uh, it was so typical. I mean, one day she's in the kitchen, she's like, I don't have an accent. <laughs> Did you get this out of a book? You know? <laughs> so, you know. Um, but, you know, we see someone, I'll use this example, if, if, you, if you're actually under all those shawls and stuff, you have a whole um, body of tattoos, forgive me, but... <laughs> When we see somebody with a bunch of tattoos, you know, what what's our what's our what do we add? What do we add to that? You know, what do you feel and what do you do? And and even if we want to just be normal, can we be normal? You know, and if that's not something that brings up stuff, then maybe there's some other image that does. And you know, just just to just to bring awareness to these things. When we want something, we see things differently than when we don't want something. When we're afraid of something, we see things differently than when we're not afraid of something. 
But when we're confused or we're holding um, a view that the Buddha would say is wrong view, we see things differently than if we come to a, a view that the Buddha would say is a right view. So this practice today, I want to encourage just to whatever degree what you see, see if you can perceive just what's seen. And notice when the mind comes in with its evaluations and colorings around it. Check to see what might be behind those evaluations. What's motivating that? When you hear something, just notice what you hear. See if you can bring a wedge of awareness. Put a wedge of awareness in there between the heard and the evaluation of what's heard. Awareness of those perceptions and what they might mean and how they might influence your speech and your actions and your thoughts. And see what this reveals. It's like the laboratory we're in. We're trying things out. And it has purpose. Badia woke up. Just coming back to that simple instruction. And may we also. <laughs>